This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com AN to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C dot slash A-N. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, March 27th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the UAW has a new president, and he has a tough road ahead. More auto franchises are splitting up fewer sales, and a new trial will determine how much Tesla has to pay in a racial discrimination case. Plus, we'll talk with an independent auto dealer about continued scarcity of used vehicles. There has definitely been an influx of franchise dealers stepping into our market. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The UAW has finally completed its presidential runoff election, just in time for the bargaining convention that began today. The election of Sean Fain as the UAW's fifth president in five years could upend what are already expected to be difficult contract negotiations between the union and Detroit Three automakers later this year. He enters the position looking to challenge the companies as well as to unify the membership. Today, we want a historic victory to put the membership of the UAW back in the driver's seat of our international union. I want to thank every member who voted, no matter who you voted for. To those who didn't vote, this is your union too. Today, we put the companies on notice. The fighting UAW is back. His razor-thin margin of victory over incumbent Ray Curry could make it tough to rally a disgruntled membership eager to move beyond the union's recent scandals. Fain won by fewer than 500 votes and received the support of less than 7% of the UAW's membership. Union leaders from around the country will gather today through Wednesday for a special bargaining convention where they'll vote on resolutions and priorities to guide their strategy this fall. The number of franchise dealerships in the U.S. rose last year, even as sales fell, especially for the traditional brands that sell through franchises. The Automotive News' annual dealership census counted 18,271 franchise dealerships on January 1st, up 0.4% from a year earlier. Combined with declining sales volumes, new vehicle sales per franchise fell 8.8%. Toyota and luxury sibling, Lexus continued to lead the way as the only brands with more than 1,000 new vehicle sales per franchise. The rest of the top five, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and Kia. Kia has been gaining ground in the U.S. Its sales barely slipped last year while the market skidded. But Kia's U.S. sales chief, Eric Watson, cautions that the brand and the industry may see limited gains this year as production remains challenged. Kia expects to close March with a 15-day dealer supply, Watson said, which is low compared with historical averages, but triple what it had a year ago. Companies will report U.S. vehicle sales for March and the first quarter next week. And Tesla will be going back to court to determine how much it has to pay a black elevator operator who a jury determined was subject to severe racial harassment while working at the company's flagship assembly plant. In 2021, a jury awarded plaintiff Owen Diaz $137 million in compensatory and punitive damages, but last year, U.S. District Judge William Oreck slashed the amount to $15 million. 
Oric is also presiding over this week's trial and has barred both sides from presenting new evidence or calling new witnesses. The trial is scheduled to last five days and include testimony from several employees and managers from Tesla's plant in Fremont, California. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, all right, the UAW got a new president over the weekend, and boom, Fain has to run the bargaining convention. How do you think this is going to go over for him? It's super tough. It's a really hard job, of course, under any circumstances. And right now, this is very difficult. You know, it was, it was good to see Ray Curry accept the defeat. And, you know, he had thrown up a lot of late protests, uh, but he did acknowledge uh, and he conceded and helped swear in Sean Fain. So maybe they can get a little bit of unity going. But there's just no doubt these are going to be extremely difficult talks. Uh, he has, you know, some limited experience. He was on the staff in 2009 and 2011, but getting a deal with the automakers is going to be difficult. And then getting it ratified by the members could be extremely difficult. He's got a long road ahead. Coming up, rising interest rates on top of high used vehicle prices are making purchases very difficult for some shoppers. We'll hear how things are going from an independent auto dealer next on Daily Drive. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose Recontract. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The used vehicle market has been a wild ride in recent years. Lack of new vehicle production has made used cars scarce and far more expensive than they used to be. Now the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates and bank failures are making credit harder to come by, especially for consumers with imperfect financial histories. For a boots-on-the-ground look at the segment and the people trying to buy older used cars, we return to Amanda Gordon, owner of Gojo Auto, an independent auto dealership in Denver. Amanda Gordon, welcome back to Daily Drive. Jamie, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you talking about the industry that I love. Well, when you were here last time, you know, inventory was becoming super scarce during the pandemic. Inventory for new vehicles, for the newly used vehicles, and more and more franchise dealers were getting into the older models that have been more the, the purview of independent dealers uh, like you and Gojo Auto. And so... Uh, you were seeing a lot more of them at, at auction than you typically would. How's it been going since then? Are they still kind of in that part of the business? It's an interesting time, as we all know, particularly speaking to some of my mentors and my old timers that have never seen anything like this before in the history of the auto business, right? 
So independents typically dabble in non-certified used cars, cars that we can't certify because we're not a manufacturer. So older than five years, usually more than 60, 65,000 miles. And there has definitely been an influx of franchise dealers stepping into our market. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because as I like to always say, one of my model, one of my mottos is a new car is a used car waiting to happen. Well, for the last two years, they don't have any new cars. So they've got nothing waiting to happen. And so there is no used car factory. So now they've had to pivot, uh, a word we like to use, and find resources elsewhere, which is that older, higher mileage, higher to them vehicle. And they're definitely dipping their toe in my swimming pool. <laughs> and every extra toe pushes the water up, right? Yes, and so prices are getting higher even for the six, seven, eight-year-old vehicles. Uh, which has to put pressure on, I guess, you know, your customers and their own uh, ability to buy. Yes, 100%. It's not as drastic as we saw last year around this time. Um, prices came down a little bit, but we are seeing a bit of an increase these last 30 days or so. Prices are starting to escalate again at our particular price point or at our particular demographic of um, older pre-owned. And again, because there is no supply from the new car, the new car creates everything. And when there are no new cars, used cars just escalates. I mean, where if, if we consider it maybe more sustained, you know, okay, or the, it's moving up and down, but in smaller increments than the, the, big, the big jump before. We're not on a bubble. Uh, We're not on but a bubble. they're sustained at a high level. Um, yeah, it's not a bubble. It's a real shift in the availability of the supply and demand, at yes. least for the medium term. But what we are seeing are sharply higher interest rates. So that's the new curveball with the industry because apparently we needed a new one. <laughs> <laughs> we needed another curveball. So here we are. Interest rates are higher. So prices were starting to get stable, but now interest rates are higher. I know at my store, our average interest rate was 8% about 90 wow. days ago, 90 to 120 oh, okay. days ago, so three to four months. It is today, I looked it up before I hopped on with you, 12%. Oh my God. And that's a significant shift. 4% in interest rate on a $20,000 car over our average term is five years. That's a lot of money considering what the minimum income is for the average American, as they like to say, what's going on with inflation. That's a big deal. And Unfortunately, our buyer doesn't have the option of saying, I'm going to wait until the feds calm down and interest rates get back to 2.99. They need a car now. It's their first car and they need to get to work or to school. They need to support their family with basic transportation needs. Their car just conked out. They can't afford the service bill. So they need a new car and they've got to pay that interest rate. There is no other option. So what is a 4% increase like that due to somebody's payment? If they're buying a $20,000 car and they're putting down 3000 are they paying an extra $100 a month? Oh, it's a, it's about 60 bucks that we're seeing. Yes. And, and it might not sound like a lot, but that's a lot. When bread is more expensive, eggs are more expensive, gas is more expensive. You know, they're getting jabbed around every corner an automobile purchase is a large purchase. And, and so to have that additional cost, when we just, again, just came down to a $10,000 car was a $15,000 car <laughs> three months ago, 
we got some stability there and now interest rates are back up. So, so there really isn't a change. There really isn't a difference. So what kind of, uh, I've, I've heard that in the used car market, there's a, you know, there are a lot of, there's a big swath of people looking for like a $400 monthly payment. Is that, what kind of a target, what kind of a budget do your customers typically have or what are they trying to, what number are they trying to hold to? Well, since the dawn of time, it was $200, right? Right. Back in the day. <laughs> and, and nowadays, that's our cell phone bill. <laughs> right. So I wish. <laughs> right, right. Same. I've got four kiddos. Good luck with that $200 a month cell phone bill. So that's gone. And I think it's it's moved towards the 350 but there are some variables. It's term. It's money down, which I will add this tidbit. We are finally seeing a tax season come around. The last two years... With all of the COVID stimulus, we didn't really see a tax season. A refund season where people were getting checks in their hand and could make a down payment. Right, right. Where they were getting the refund money, you know, come February, they had cash in hand. And so we are seeing that. We started to see at the, the beginning of this month, we've seen a huge increase in money down, which has been a saving grace for our customers, also for our business so that we can still offer a service that's that's not astronomically high for our buyers. But these higher interest rates, they could have some repercussions down the line. So as we're seeing, when cars were really expensive, car payments were really expensive, and we're experiencing a never-before-seen default rate or seldom-seen default rate with car payments, people having a $600 car payment on a 10-year-old car. How sustainable is that? And I fear the same thing is coming with interest rates being high because we're, we're seeing the same thing where these car payments are, are outside of budget for most people. But they're able to get the credit. Credit is available just at, at some dangerously high rates. I think in the beginning, it's doable because we have some lenders that are extending their first payment to 90 days, right? And so the first couple of months are easier to chew, but when you build up on a 450, 550 a month payment, I mean, eventually it starts to catch up. Have you seen any impact, any tightening of credit, like since the SVB failure and the other sort of bank worries around the world? So two of my lenders, the, the Monday following the Sunday that SVP announced what was going on, two of my lenders pulled out of auto finance and they were big lenders. I will not mention names, but they literally sent us an email saying, we don't have enough deposits. We are coming off of direct lending and we'll let you know if anything changes, which was a first for us. I've never directly experienced a bank running out of money. Yeah. That's a whole (laughs) nut. Here we go with the curveballs again. Yeah. Well, and that and that it reinforces the higher interest rates, right? The tight, tighter credit, fewer people making loans, less competition yes. for some of those loans uh, that are a little riskier, then they're going to demand more interest. Yes. And our banks are not buying as deep, right? They're being more conservative with their money, which I think is smart. And And as a service, we're also trying to make sure that our buyer is protected and is, is getting invested in a car payment that truly works for them. Not necessarily what they want, but what they need and that's going to make sense for their budget and trying to wrap their head around, hey, this is this is going to set you up for success in the future. 
I love learning about your business and what's going on. But before we run out of time, I want to make sure to ask you about uh, Wocan, which Woo! I think was really how we first got to know each other. Yes. Uh, you were one of the founding board members of the Women of Color Automotive Network. And uh, so just tell me what's been going on uh, with Wocan lately. Oh, well, first, Jamie, thank you so much for being an original supporter. You took a risk in, and you stuck your neck out to make sure that we got awareness. And, and we're forever grateful for that. Um, I'm glad to do it. A huge in-person event in October at NAMAD in Miami. I am still um, in awe at, at the beauty and magnitude of all the women of color that are within automotive and all of our allies, the men and the minority adjacent that showed up in support and solidarity. And it was beautiful. And right now we're working on uh, subcommittees. So we have different committees such as scholarship committees, membership committees, um, community engagement committees. Um, and also a fundraising, of course, every nonprofit needs a good fundraising <laughs> committee. <laughs> Especially and one that doesn't uh, charge uh, charge a lot of dues. No, we do not charge dues. It's actually a complimentary service because we feel as though the need is so great that um, we, we don't want to charge people to be a part. We just want everybody to get connected and, and just see how much there is a need for women of color within the automotive space. Um, and then just have a safe space for us to join. And, and really be ourselves and see how we can be a better part of the auto industry as a whole. It's been exciting to see uh, the organization grow. And I keep seeing more people on my LinkedIn uh, who have uh, have Wokan as a, an identifier, an organization that they're oh, a part of. So it's, uh, it's very cool to see. I love it. Amanda Gordon, CEO of Gojo Auto in Denver, Colorado, and a founding board member of Wokan. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Have a great day. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Michael Martinez, John Hutter, and Carly Schaffner for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.